bring this down just a little bit. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put some of these down because I had notes. Oh wow! Well, thank you guys. I mean, we could end now. I mean, that, the skit, the sharing, so impacting. And um, her son Travis did become a Christian, so I don't know if that was and um, my name is Sarah Pikert, and I'm from the Piedmont Triad Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. And the saints from Greensboro bring greetings to you guys. Um, this is a picture of my family right here. Uh, that is my daughter-in-law, Susie. Uh, she's a science teacher. That's my son, Samuel. He uh, was a neuro ICU trauma nurse and now is getting his doctorate in nurse practitioning. And that's my uh, daughter, Phoebe. She is an emergency room nurse uh, that travels and is currently in a trauma one hospital in the trauma bay. So we're, you know, we don't do things uh, easy. And that's me and then my husband, Dave. They're all disciples of Jesus. And um, I met, and I'm originally from New York. My husband is from Minnesota. And I went to school in Boston, and that's where uh, Jesus found me and helped me uh, make him Lord. And from there, I moved to, um, I, to plant a church in Hawaii. And then from Hawaii, we moved to plant, um, I met and married my husband, and I fell in love with him because he fixed my surfboard. <laughs> lots of, lots of, lots of dates. And then we moved around planting different churches. We planted a church in Guam. That's where both my uh, children were born. And I actually tutored Korean women English. So, Anyanghaseyo oh. Lisa. Oh. And so, uh, and we absolutely love the islands, um, you know, and mahal uh, kita to all the Filipinos. I do not eat balut or dinagawan. But I do have concert and lupia. But uh, so we love uh, the, the places God has brought us. We came back to Hawaii. We led a, um, a group in Oakland, California, Portland, Oregon, Anchorage, Alaska, Minneapolis, Minnesota, South Central Los Angeles for six years, uh, and then Greensboro, North Carolina. So we've been around the block a little bit. Um, we are so grateful to, um, oh, and I wanted to show you that my favorite uh, part of the Pikert family. Simba! Simba, he's a golden doodle. We just got him. And boy, he, he's so... Oh, I just love Simba. Anyway, there he goes. Just love him. But we are so grateful to the sons and to the church here. Uh, I, I love the, the smaller church and its family. It's beautiful. And just to see what God has done here, it just warms my heart. Um, I, I look at the Lusans and I am inspired and challenged by their, uh, their humility and their love for God's people. They're constantly shepherding and considering the needs of others. Like last night, she, she calls up, she goes, has your daughter need a date? You know, and I'm like, yes, she does. <laughs> and she's on it. She's totally on it. And I just love that. Thank you so much for, for having me. And before I totally get involved in the lesson, I just wanted to pray again, if you don't mind. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for this time uh, to be able to get together as women, God, as we really look at your word and see um, how much you love us, God, how much you, you long to have a relationship with us, that we can come alive with you, God, that we can rest in your in your, in your palm, God, and just have the cares uh, washed away, God. 
Thank you again for everybody here. We pray that the spirit uh, moves and that your word would impact uh, everyone's hearts. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. I love the title, Come Alive. Like that is just, that alone just, just makes you happy. You know, like to and inspirational. But for some of you, when you hear Come Alive, it's a chore. It's a burden. It's unattainable. It's like only momentary, you know. And so I, I want to look at what God says makes us come alive. And so let's look in our theme scripture, which is in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. And this is, uh, Ezekiel was written by the prophet Ezekiel. And just to give you a little bit of background, the first uh, chapters 1 to 25 is all about the fall of Jerusalem. And chapters 25 through 32 is immediately after the fall. And then chapters 33 through 44 is the prophecies of restoration and hope. And so we pick it up in chapter 37 on restoration and hope. And it was meant to encourage the nation of Israel because they were oppressed and they were really hurting, if anybody can relate. So um, let's read Ezekiel 34, uh, I'm sorry, 37, 1 through 14. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them, and there were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you may come to life and then you will know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesied and I had uh, been commit as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise and a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And as I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to them, prophesy to breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may come alive. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. Then he said to, to me, Son of man, these bones are of the whole house of Israel. Then look at how they uh, look at how they say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is perished, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy to them, This is what the Lord said, the Lord God says, I am going to open your graves and bring up uh, you up from them, my people, and lead you to the land of Israel. You will know then that I am Yahweh, my people, when I open your graves and will bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. I have spoken. I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. Amen. How inspiring. Very challenging, but then comes the inspiration. You know, and so the first thing from the passage is we need to understand that this is not actually something that happened to Ezekiel. Okay, this is actually a vision that God had given him. And this particular part of this is written in what they call apocalyptic writing. 
And so apocalyptic writing is it sets a vision, and then the vision itself, and then it gives like a divine interpretation of it. That's the definition of apocalyptic. So this didn't really happen to him. This was a vision that he saw. Okay, so sometimes people think, oh, this really happened. No, it's actually a vision. And so uh, one thing that I didn't tell you is I, I grew up in a 99.9% .9 Jewish community. Okay, and my um, and so one of the important things to understand here is that Ezekiel was not only a prophet, but he was a Jew. And so here's all this death, all these bones that surround him. So as a Jew, when you're walking into this a situation like this, death to a Jew is as follows: when a person dies, they're never left alone until after they're buried, and it's typically till sundown. Okay, so if a Jewish person dies, they're buried, and, that, and nobody leaves the body. Somebody's with the body all the time. Being in the presence of a, of a dead body was what you call ritual impurity. You know, sometimes people think that when you're unclean, it means that you're sinful. This, that's not true. There's a, there, you can be unclean because you're ritually unclean because you shouldn't be near a dead body. A body is never, as a Jew, a body is never displayed at funerals because it's considered disrespectful because it allows your enemies, not only your friends, but your enemies, to see you in your helpless state. Okay, so you're, you're getting the drift here. Like, So here's this valley of all these epic, they're alone. They're, they're, there's nobody with them. They weren't buried. Um, another thing that's really important is that um, there's a, a, a prayer. It's called a Kaddish. And it's a morning prayer for a parent. That's a, it's a specific prayer if you've lost like a, a, a parent. And one of the reasons why they have it is because they expect that if you've lost a parent, you might lose your faith in God and cry out against God or the injustice of what happened. And so one of the things that you do is you pray and recite the Kaddish for 11 months mm. every day. And what it requires you as the mourner to do is you have to stand up and you have to reaffirm your faith in God despite the loss of what just happened. Okay, so, so here's the picture. So Ezekiel is looking at this valley and this is all wrong. This is, God is, this is all wrong. First of all, they're totally, you know, the, the bones are left totally helpless. This is a very troubling task. Like, you're wanting me to go into this unclean situation here? Yeah. Like, uh, it would make them unclean. That's a process. That's not an easy process, and it's a long process. It's like seven days in isolation, depending on whatever. And being near a dead person as a Jew is the hardest one to unclean yourself from, just to give you more history. And what was done with them was disrespectful. Like, I don't know, if, if you've ever been disrespected, that's a hard one. Yeah. That's a really hard one. And it was a, hope, a hopeless situation that God put him in, seeing all this. And no one was mourning. You know, when, when he, some heroes sometimes, no one mourns for you. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's lonely and sad. No one was reaffirming the faith. They had all lost it. It was uncomfortable and had no hope. And some of us, um, I know that we can relate to there's no hope. To me, uh, 2021 and 2022 were like that. And it's not because of COVID, and it's not because I'm an extrovert and I was isolated. But in January, 
my I was uh, I'm the third girl, and I was totally uh, daddy's girl. My dad died in January. And then what happened was I was very sick on and off. I had cancer uh, 10 years ago, so don't forget to get your tatas checked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I was very sick because I had gotten uh, I had a double mastectomy and I had gotten implants and they were making me sick. So I got explanted. So these are fake. They come off at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so in, in February, I got explanted. And that's a whole ordeal in itself. Yeah. Then Father's Day, we go over and, and, and um, visit my mother-in-law, and she's dead. Oh. And we found her body. And my, I watched as my son and my, my, my husband wrapped her body for the mortuary. Oh. And then 10 days later, my 51-year-old husband has heart surgery and gets two stints put in. Then we bury his mom up in Minnesota, and we, and we come back, and my mom dies. And then my father-in-law tries to commit suicide. And then my two kids are nurses, and they're in the thick of COVID. My, my daughter is in the emergency room, but my son was in ICU, but then he did trauma. They had, to, they had to rotate to the COVID, and of course, what do they get? COVID. All right, so this is, this is my year. This keeps going on. And then in 2022, uh, I get a call from my one sister, and she goes, I, they think I have cancer. Can you come up for my surgery? I'm like, okay, I'll be there. So I go up to her surgery on, on Tuesday, and we go through it. And then my oldest sister goes, I have cancer. Can you come for my surgery? Oh. And she has a double mastectomy. And because uh, I, I had gone through it, she's like, I want you there. And then hers went to all four sentinel nodes, and it was, it was bad. Let's just put it that way. And while I'm in Texas helping her out, guess what? My father-in-law dies. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then towards the end of the year, we visited Dave, uh, Dave's grandmother, uh, who turned 100, and we just buried her a couple of weeks ago. And so you talk about broken, you talk about trouble, you talk about sorrow, but I want to look at Ezekiel, and I want to look at what God did. And look, let's look in verse three. It says, "Then he said, Son of man." Can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. So what is God asking? What is he really, really asking? He's asking you, are you going to believe? Am I going to, am I going to, am I, after all that, am I going to still believe? Yeah. Am I going to doubt? Am I going to shrink back? Am I going to cower? Am I going to get angry? Am I, what am I going to do? God wants to know, are you going to believe that he is sovereign, that he's got this, that he can, that you can come to life? I think a lot of times as women, we want to be in control. And what happens is we doubt and we disbelieve and it disconnects us from God. And then we look good on the outside, but on the inside we're empty. Come on. And are you the decision that you have to make is am I gonna believe? Are you gonna believe that God's got this? To believe is to know uh, what is true and right. And today the practical number one is to believe. God so much wants to have a relationship with you. And he's he and when Ezekiel answered him, 
uh, you would think that it would be a slam, slam dunk. You know, he says, hey, you know, like, he says, son of man, can these bones live? You would think, oh, that would be a slam dunk question. Because the chapter right before, does anybody know what that says? It talks about in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. And not only that, but I'm going to cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my orders ordinances. And so just the chapter before, he's like, okay, what do you need? A new heart? Check. A new spirit? Check. I'll give you the ability to follow my stuff. And so when he asked him, do you believe? You would think it would be an easy answer. And the thing is, when you look at Ezekiel's answer, he didn't um, question the power of God. But what he did is he ex expressed his convictions that he knew what God was doing was right and that God was able to it. And I'm here to tell you that God is the answer to please help me. That God is the answer to I don't know what to do. That God is the answer to I can't keep doing this. God is the answer that I'm in an impossible situation. So let's keep learning. Let's look in verse 4. It says, then he, so we, we got to believe is the first thing, and the sovereignty of God. Yeah. He's like, everything that happened to me, there was a reason for it. And I can't even get into explain all that because it would take too long. But in, uh, in verse 4 of chapter 37, it says, uh, he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Explanation point. <laughs> and so God wants us to hear the word of the Lord. In order to come alive, we've got to hear the word. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, this is what happens. We dismiss the word. Come on. We talk more than we think about it. Mm -hmm. To some of us, God's word is unfamiliar. It's unknown. It's misunderstood. It's misused. It's wrongly lived in our life. It's offensive. It's difficult to apply. It can be scary. Um, you can be guilt-ridden when you read it. You, it, it has no more power. Uh, it's mundane and it's not effective anymore. That's the way, and we're just like the, the dead bones in the valley. Yeah, and I thought I thought to myself, why can't I hear God's word? Why can't I hear God's word? Because um, there's noise going on. There's, it's noisy. I can't hear God's word. I can't think, right? And so just as a, a I, I have just spent the last four and a half years writing out the Bible word for word, wow. like literally handwriting out the Bible, and I have another 300 chapters to go before I complete it. Wow. But one of the things that it has, it has exposed in me is it exposed in my relationship with God that I'm too shiny and I can't focus. Mm -hmm. I'm like Dory, you know. I'm like, or I'm like that squirrel with up, you know, the dog, squirrel, no, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. I have so much, I'm too, ADHD something, I don't know. Uh, I'm too busy. Yeah, come on. I'm too busy. Uh, I don't take time to think, and I don't take time to meditate. Um, and then it's hard for me to separate the urgent from the important. So this one time I really wanted, I was I was going towards a, you know, a, some important meeting, and I wanted to look really pretty, and I wanted to you know have my eyebrows done, right? So it was super, super uh, urgent. Okay, so I was like, okay, but, and, it, and you know, and important at the same time, but I was like, okay, 
honey, help me, help me do my eyebrows, right? So I got the kit. I didn't go to the salon. I got the kit because I'm saving money, right? And so he puts, you know, I put the little thing on, and then the wax drips down, right? And he helps me or whatever. And then he peels it off, and there goes my eyebrow. <laughs> So urgent and important, urgent and important, guys, we've got to hear the words. Um, You know, and I think about what made the noise stop for Jesus? Well, there's this wonderful story. It's in Mark chapter 5, verse 27 through 34, and it's about a bleeding woman. And in verse 27, it says, having heard about Jesus, she goes to Jesus because she goes to doctor after doctor and nobody can heal her. And she goes and she touches the, you know, the, um, the hem of Jesus's uh, robe and he stops. And in verse 31, he says, you see the crowd pressing against you and you say, who touched me? So he's in this big, thick crowd. This woman touches the hem of his clothes, and it's, he know, the noise stops. What made Jesus stop? And the noise, it was, guess what? In 34, it says your faith. Faith, and where does faith come from? Hearing the word. Hearing the word. Faith comes to hearing the word. That's when the noise stops. We've got to keep um, using God's words to help the noise go so that we can come alive. I wanted to share a couple examples of faith around me that have turned off the noise. My first one is Jan Jordan. Jan Jordan, she used to, uh, her and her husband, Randy, uh, ran Hope Worldwide for 20-something years. Uh, I helped her walk through breast cancer. I had done it a few years earlier, and she went through breast cancer. And um, She's uh, been a survivor for about five, five years. And um, the other day, she went to the movies uh, with her husband. And her leg hurt a little bit, so she was, like, using a cane. And she fell, slipped, and broke her femur. Right, that's a big one, right? And, like, if you're in the healthcare uh, industry, you know, you break your femur, and it wasn't a car accident. It's the strongest bone in the body. Something else is going on. So I go to the hospital, and I'm there to encourage her, right? I gotta be, I gotta be strong. I gotta be what I gotta be for God or whatever. It didn't turn out that way. Um, she encouraged this, the tar out of me, and I'm gonna tell you why with her faith. I went to the hospital and I was frantic. I wanted, you know, I wanted the whole world to pray for her because I was like, okay, this is an urgent situation. Everybody's gotta pray for her, whatever. And she said, and it, I, it's as if she's talking right now. She goes, she goes, I, I don't need to pray. I've already prayed. She goes, God is uh, just as powerful with one prayer as he is in many. And then the word came to me. I thought of the centurion. I thought about how the centurion, he said, you just say the word. You just say the word and it'll happen. And I I thought, I didn't need to get the whole town together, you know, for the prayer chain or whatever. And then I also, also, the word that, you know, her example inspired me and I thought of the word where it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Yeah. Believe in God. Yeah. Believe in me. And the noise went away. Yeah. I want to share about another situation. Um, her name is Nicole. And she's a, um, she's a young married sister. 
and she was on her way to jury duty early in the morning, and she thought, okay, I'm just going to stop at the gas station, and it was dark, you know, I'm going to stop at the gas station, and I'm going to uh, empty out my garbage. I don't know why she wanted to do that, but she did, whatever. Anyway, um, a man came out, and from behind violated her at gunpoint. And um, what ended up happening was she got pregnant. And I, I was there reading to them the results of the paternity test, which was not her husband, which was the man who violated her. And I watched how they wrestled, and they looked at God's words, and they chose to keep the baby. And then they chose to keep coming to church and show up and to listen to people mm-hmm. as they came up and said, oh, what are you having? Oh, it's a boy. When is your shower? Because only my husband and I and they knew. Yeah. Wow. And I, as we, as the church got together and it became like she was going to give birth, I was there and watched scriptures come to life in their faith as they uh, didn't shrink back. As they chose to let the church know what happened, and I was in the room, the hospital room, and prayed with them as they gave their baby up to an adoptive family so that the baby could grow up in a family that looked like them, looked like him. And the scriptures that came from mind was Isaiah 55, 8, where it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. The noise stopped to see their faith come alive from the word. I thought, what do I have to complain coming to church? What do I have? And so, uh, an unbelievable story. And they're so happy and they're so joyful and they're doing really well. And it is just an unbelievable, uh, encouraging situation of um, of God and, and I thought of Acts 14 which says you must go through many trials to enter the kingdom of heaven and it's true and currently I'm on campus and I am years old and uh, I have no idea what I'm doing and uh, we had like a campus fair and it was so exciting and we filled out these sheets of paper and we got um, 120 people that want to study the Bible I'm the only woman on campus. I am the only woman on campus, and right now I'm in 12 Bible studies, and the Bible studies are bringing people during the Bible studies. And so we hired an interim guy, and he's taking my notes for all my Bible studies, because we we don't have people, the workers are few. And I'm like, how am I going to relate? These guys are too young. Right. I I don't know what I'm doing. And then I thought, okay, the word, right? And Isaiah 55, it says, So my word that comes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. And so I firmly believe with all my heart and God's words that today God will do what he's going to do with the scriptures and with you. And um, God is working right now to accomplish what he pleases in you today. And there's so much power in God's word. The spiritual connection and the closeness comes. The guidance and the wisdom that give insight. The inspiration and motivation uh, to bring about acts of kindness and compassion. 
the comfort and solace during difficult times, the community and the fellowship, and the sense of unity, like we're all on the same page. I, I love that. Sister churches, I love that. The transformation that leads to changes and attitudes and belief. So we're hearing and we're believing, but what else? What else did these bones lack? They lacked life. Look at Ezekiel 34, I'm sorry, 37, 5 through 6. And Claudette uh, referred to this earlier. It says, um, this is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and you will grow, uh, flesh will grow on you and cover your skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. And so a lot of times what we do is we want the formula. How do I come alive? How do I come alive? Like, you can't do it. Only God can. Okay. Breath is powerful, especially stinky breath. But um, God's breath is the ultimate power. And he's the one that can um, breathe into them and you can come alive. And it wasn't until God's breath entered them did they come alive. So, again, it's something that only God can do. And so that got me thinking, right? Okay, geeking and, you know, remember Dory, right? Okay, so I'm on the page. So I'm doing that with the scriptures. I'm thinking, well, what are instances that God breathed in the Bible? You know? And so it made me think of Genesis. And Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust and from the ground. So we can be there. But not alive. So here's a formed man, and we can be like that spiritually. You can be here, but not alive. Right? right? And so it says, and he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. You know, and in the healthcare, you can be there, but not alive. You get where I'm going with that. I watched it with my mother in law, and I watched it with my dad. You can be there, but not alive. And at, at creation, Adam was completely physical, but he had no, no life until God breathed into him. And so I want to share this other story where it talked about how God breathed life into, um, into us in uh, John chapter 12, verses 19 through 23. And um, this is after Jesus died, and he goes back to his um, disciples and it says, in the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples gathered together in locked doors because of fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, peace be with you. Um, not ta-da, not I told you so, not I said I'll be back, but he just said, peace with, be with you. And having said this, he showed uh, them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced that they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said again, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I will send you. And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So here's another instance where he's like, okay, you guys, here's the Holy Spirit. So after they got the Holy Spirit, what did they do? Well, verse 26 says, after eight days, the disciples were indoor behind a locked door. <laughs> So they got the Holy Spirit. He proved to them. He's like, hey, I'm going to help you believe. And what did they do? They went back to the locked door. So what does Jesus do? He goes, hey, peace be with you again, right? So what do they do after that? They go back to fishing. They go back to what they know. Right. So can't we be like that? We get the Holy Spirit and we're fearful. We get the Holy Spirit and we go back to the way of life we came from. You know, but what does Jesus do? 
Jesus goes out to them in chapter 21 and verses 4 through 12, and he helps them fish, like he gives them a win. You know, it's like, here's a miracle, just, you know, whatever. And then this is the part that, that I'm just like, holy cow, right? In John chapter 21, verse 12, it says, he makes breakfast for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Jesus made me breakfast? That's got to be the best meal ever, kind of like the one I had here. That was awesome. But I'm just saying, so you come back from the dead, here are your 12 guys that you ultimately love so much, and they're behind the locked door. They're again behind the locked door. They went back to their old life, and now you're making them breakfast? If I came back, it wouldn't be like that. <laughs> It'd be a little different narrative, you know? Maybe some lots of yelling, I am from New York, lots of hand gestures. Um, you know, they were doubt, they were giving up. And yet he showed them mercy. Do we show each other mercy? Do we show ourselves mercy? Um, I think about Galatians uh, 5, 21 through 26 is the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. But a lot of times we think the spirit is hard work and self-change. And so God, when he breathed into us, he gave us his spirit. It's not hard work and self-change. It's the fruits that I just talked about. But what's happening is the world is changing, ladies. And it's not changing for the better. We're we're going from a Christian society to a secular society. And the foundations of the secular society are emotions are the ultimate guide. Judgment is the ultimate sin, and God is the ultimate guess. So we've got to look at our emotions in a different way, because that's stopping us from really coming alive. And our emotions can be wildly inaccurate. Case in point, um, two days ago, I was prepping for the for this, the time with you guys, and I, I did laundry, and I'm frantically looking for my phone. I can't find it anywhere. I think I put it inside the washer itself, um, whatever. Guess where it was? Right here, right by me. Uh, my emotions were wildly interactive. Then I'm going to say something maybe a little bit offensive. Church can be a difficult place to learn about emotions. And the reason why is because there's a pressure to, to perform. There is a rush to sugarcoat things. By doing this, we send a message that the only acceptable emotion are happiness, joy, thankfulness, and gladness. We, we tell people to rejoice always. And it invalidates the importance of other emotions and prevents people from navigating those emotions that leads away to good spiritual health. We can walk around feeling, but not alive enough. We can walk around feeling, oh, I'm not alive enough. I'm not fired up enough. Not true. I love Thomas in that story that I talked about. Number one, he was messy. He was honest. Yeah. Um, I admit, shame on me, I looked down on Thomas. I was like, oh, he's not, you know. I mean, growing up, I wanted to be like Paul and Peter, never Thomas. Shame on me. Thomas was honest. He was messy. He got the help he needed. And he wasn't with them fishing, by the way. Doesn't say where he was, but he wasn't with them fishing. Just saying. 
Uh, he was open about his struggle. He got what he needed. And Jesus is the one that helped him believe. Yeah. I'm talking about cool points right there. Mm-hmm. And your faithfulness is not on what you feel, but whether you turn to God with your emotions mm-hmm. towards uh, like Jesus did with God in the garden. Or we can turn away from him like Judas. The answers to emotions like sorrow and anxiety is not pretending that we're thankful for those dark emotions. The answer is to share with God that leads to real surrender and freedom and so you can come alive. Lamentations is a book that, uh, that we hardly read, but if you have any kind of emotion, if you want to come alive and you're struggling with things, I camped on Lamentations chapter 3 for a very long time. And I can't tell you, I can be alive today because I dealt with my emotions through all the things that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. I would say that the first 20 years as a disciple, I can be described as anxious, paranoid, uh, performance-driven, the need to feel loved by others, and not peace, joy, patience, and kindness. Mm -hmm. My emotional bandwidth is limited. Uh, bandwidth is limited, um, and I'm filled with the more popular emotions like frustration and insecurity, mm-hmm. even right now. <laughs> uh, so either I'm currently unspiritual, or I believe that the emotions God designed for me, I need to feel for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then I can take those yeah. emotions and I can come alive with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, Jesus was emotionally honest in the garden, and he surrendered to God, he believed in God's plan. He heard the words, and he surrendered to God's plans. Emotions are not an accurate measure of what God is doing in our lives, but they are a perfect measure of what we need to express to God. Yeah. Ezekiel and Jesus used their emotions to believe, to listen, and to surrender. And I believe today, uh, and this is where the fruits of the Spirit come through, that as women we can make the choice to come alive by doing that, by believing, by listening to God's words, and by getting in touch with God's spirit. Thank you very much.